Hello, and welcome to A Course in Miracles for Regular People. I'm your host, Reverend Robin. In this podcast, we read and discuss the text of A Course in Miracles. I also have another podcast that is reading and discussing the daily workbook lessons. That one is called A Course in Miracles Daily Workbook Lessons for Regular People. I love talking with people about A Course in Miracles and the daily lessons, and I welcome interaction and feedback. There are several ways you can reach out to me if you'd like to chat. I'm on Twitter at ACIMFOR. I have a Facebook page called A Course in Miracles for Regular People. You can email me at ACIMFRP, that's A Course in Miracles for Regular People, ACIMFRP at gmail.com. Or you can simply go to anchor.fm and leave me a voice message. Actually, you can also make donations on Anchor if you'd like to support this podcast, and I really appreciate that. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode number 89. We will be continuing in chapter 4, Illusions of the Ego, and section 5 of chapter 4, The Ego Body Illusion, and this will be the second part of that. Today is a blustery, cold fall day. It's cloudy and windy with a high in the low 40s. So today I am sitting in my basement and I have a nice fire going in my wood stove. And you probably hear my dryer in the background. I did a load of laundry. So that's okay. Just let it all be. All is well. Enjoy the lesson. Our takeaways from last week's episode were, number one, all things work together for good. The only exception is in the ego's judgment. Number two, the ego controls us through fear. It makes the world seem very scary and ourselves seem very vulnerable. And number three, both thinking with God and experiencing miracle impulses will completely unmake the ego. So last week, I wished you a week of thinking with God and experiencing miracle impulses. So how'd it go? Did you recognize any miracle impulses? You can go to anchor.fm and leave me a voice message, or you can type a message. I'm on Facebook, A Course in Miracles for Regular People, and I look forward to hearing what you experienced. All right, so picking up at paragraph three. Any thought system that confuses God and the body must be insane. Yet this confusion is essential to the ego, which judges only in terms of threat or non-threat to itself. In one sense, the ego's fear of God is at least logical, since the idea of him does dispel the ego, but fear of the body, with which the ego identifies so closely, makes no sense at all. Paragraph four, the body is the ego's home by its own election. So yes, the ego made the body for itself to live in. It is the only identification with which the ego feels safe since the body's vulnerability is its own best argument that you cannot be of God. 
This is the belief that the ego sponsors eagerly, yet the ego hates the body because it cannot accept it as good enough to be its home. So it seems that the ego is a bit of a high maintenance idea. <laughs> when we live according to the ego, many of us are very critical of our bodies. We compare them with the bodies of other people and judge harshly between them. I guess this is the reason for that. Continuing, here is where the mind becomes actually dazed. <clears throat> that brings back to my mind the old Led Zeppelin song. I've been dazed and confused for so long it's not true. Oh, little ego never bargained for you. Anyway, continuing. Being told by the ego that it is really part of the body and that the body is its protector. The mind is also told that the body cannot protect it. So the ego tells the mind that it's part of the body and that the mind lives inside the body. But the ego also tells us that the body is frail and vulnerable, which means it can't protect the mind. Continuing, therefore, the mind asks, where can I go for protection? To which the ego replies, turn to me. The mind, and not without pause, then reminds the ego that it has itself insisted that it is identified with the body. And so there's no point in turning to it for protection. So the ego insists that it is part of the body. So the mind knows that the ego can't protect it either. Continuing, the ego has no real answer to this because there is none, but it does have a typical solution, a solution that's typical of the ego's crazy reasoning. It obliterates the question from the mind's awareness. We can't ask a question that we don't know is there. So once out of awareness, the question can and does produce uneasiness, but it cannot be answered because it cannot be asked. So that must be the root of anxiety. I mean, we have so much anxiety in our society anymore. Everybody, not everybody, but many, many people are on medication for anxiety and it's very possible that the reason for all this anxiety is because the mind is asking a question that the ego doesn't want to answer, so it obliterates the question, it covers it, it hides it. The mind can't ask the question. And even though we can't formulate the question, we have some idea at a very deep level that we know there's a question there, but we don't know what it is. We know that we're important somehow, but on a conscious level, we don't believe it or we're afraid to believe it. Paragraph five. This is the question that must be asked. Where can I go from protect for protection? Protection from what? From the ego's crazy ideas? 
from vulnerability? Continuing, seek and ye shall find does not mean that you should seek blindly and desperately for something you would, you would not recognize. So seeking blindly and desperately for anything is pointless. You can't find something that you don't even know what it is or what it looks like. Continuing, meaningful seeking is consciously undertaken, consciously organized, and consciously directed. The goal must be formulated clearly and kept in mind. Learning and wanting to learn are inseparable. So I guess that means that if you don't want to learn something, you won't. Do you remember going to high school? Most of us had a class that we thought was useless for real life. How good did you do in that class? I didn't do very well because I didn't want to learn. I, I thought it was stupid and I didn't want to be bothered with it. So continuing, you learn best when you believe that what you're trying to learn is of value to you. However, not everything you may want to learn has lasting value. Indeed, many of the things you want to learn may be chosen because their value will not last. So possibly because the ego wants to keep us feeling hopeless, hopeless, we seek to learn stuff because we think it's important and we'll get status and recognition for it. But after a short time, it becomes obvious that it was not a worthwhile pursuit. Is that maybe it's like when people go to college and they get a degree and then they graduate and then they have a ton of debt and they don't even work in the field that their degree was in. And it feels pointless like a waste of time and a waste of money. The ego likes it when we struggle with that sort of thing because it keeps us in a state of self-deprecation and looking for a savior, which the ego purports to be. Continuing with paragraph six, the ego thinks it is an advantage not to commit itself to anything that's eternal because the eternal must come from God. Eternalness is the one function that the ego has tried to develop, but has systematically failed to achieve. The ego compromises with the issue of the internal, just as it does with all issues touching on the real question in any way by becoming involved with tangential issues. It hopes to hide the real question and keep it out of mind. The ego's characteristic busyness with non-essentials is for precisely that purpose. Now that word tangential, maybe you know what it means, but I had to look it up. And what it means is paying attention, bringing up things that don't real, really have anything to do with the real question. It goes off on a tangent. But the ego brings these things up and tries to confuse us with it and often is very successful. 
talking about things that sound like they're related, but they don't, it doesn't really give you any information. Kind of like a politician when they're caught doing something illegal. So, the ego hopes to hide the real question and keep it out of mind. And its characteristic busyness with non-essentials is precisely for that purpose. So it likes to keep us distracted so we never ask the most important question. Continuing. Preoccupations with problems, which are set up to be incapable of solution, are favorite ego devices for impeding the learning process. And oh my gosh, how often do we do this? I remember the first time I realized this. It was many years ago and I was married to my first husband. I was talking with one of his sisters complaining about something about him. And she made a suggestion and I said, no, that won't work because whatever. Then she made a second suggestion, which I answered the same way. And then she offered a third suggestion. And I said the same thing. And then she responded and said, well, then I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell you. And that was when I realized that if I didn't try something, the situation would never change. So I began trying different things. And if I had known about the Course in Miracles back then, I would have asked, why is he acting like that? What is this situation for? So he ju the ego just brings stuff up to keep us distracted so we don't ever actually learn the real lessons. Continuing. In all these diversionary tactics, however, the one question that is never asked by those who pursue them, the diversionary tactics, is what is it for? This is the question that you must learn to ask in connection with everything. So whatever the situation is, ask, what is the purpose? Whatever it is, it will direct your efforts automatically. So whatever the situation is, we're supposed to ask what the situation is for. When we find the answer to that question, the purpose will direct our efforts automatically. And when we understand the purpose of the situation, that's what happens. Our efforts will be automatically directed. Continuing. When you make a decision of, of purpose, then you have made a decision about your future effort. A decision that will remain in effect unless you change your mind. All right, that is the conclusion of section five. And here are my takeaways. Anxiety comes from the question that the ego hides from our mind. And that question is, where can I turn for protection? The ego, it says, obliterates that question from our awareness 
so then we can't ask it. But because of the lies that the ego tells us about how vulnerable we are, we need to ask it. We want to ask it, but we, we don't know what the question is. We just know that there's something off, and that's what causes anxiety. Number two, seeking blindly and desperately for something that we would not recognize is a pointless waste of time. Meaningful seeking is doing it on purpose by first asking what the situation is for. Once that is established, now we have a plan, a direction to go to achieve what it is that we're really wanting. What is this for? When we know it's a, what it's for, our actions choose themselves because we're clear on where we're going. <clears throat> and number three, one of the ego's favorite diversionary tactics to distract us from learning is to set up problems that really have no solution. Like I said, um, years ago when I was married to my first husband and I was talking to his sister and she was giving me suggestions, but my ego said, no, that won't work because, and it didn't matter what she would suggest, my ego said, well, no, that won't work. So those are problems that were set up by the ego to have no solution. And since that's the end of the section, I have two takeaways from the entire section. Number one, the ego goes to great lengths to convince us that we are, bot we are our bodies and that we're not of God. It tells us that we're weak and frail and need protection. And part of us knows that that's not true, but the ego lays elaborate plans to keep us dazed and confused. And number two, to undo the ego's best laid plans, always ask this question, what is it for? This week, I wish you a week of asking, what is it for? Many blessings. Namaste.